You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. You may be seated while you're taking your seat. Go ahead and be opening your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. In just a few moments, we're going to stand back up and read verses 20 through 25 and continue our sermon series through the book of 1 Peter. We're talking about elect exiles standing firm in a fallen world. Thank you so much for beginning your first day of a brand new week with us here at Harden in person or online. And just so you know, we wanna be remembering our missionaries in Brazil, Hardin Brazil. They are actually training, equipping churches this weekend in Obidas. And then also pray for Corey as he and Katie are on their way to Nicaragua for a pastor's conference that he's gonna be teaching the next couple of days. And literally, we have folks all around the world. Isn't it neat to know that as we gather here at Hardin, some of our folks are in all countries around the world. It's just an amazing thing to be a part of this church. So thank you, thank you for your participation with us. Had a thought about us parents. Now, if you're not a parent, you're not gonna understand this, but if you are a parent, you're really gonna understand this, I think. But have you noticed, and I think it happens when you become a parent, all of a sudden we get this supernatural ability, almost makes us superheroes, to where we can see things that are gonna happen in the future. You just know it. You don't have to wait for it to happen. You know it before it's gonna happen. We just have this ability to know before. And here's what's neat about us superhero parents. Because we know the problem's coming, we already have the solution figured out before it happens. And that blows our kids' minds. That we actually know what they're gonna do before they do it. And when they do it, it doesn't shock us. We're prepared for it. And if you remember being a young parent, you wanted to be prepared for everything that you knew was going to happen like in the next two weeks in the life of your child. So remember that big, big bag that you carried around? That was the solution bag, amen? Everything that you knew that was gonna go wrong in the life of your kids for two weeks, you had it in the bag, the solution bag. Now, if you're a parent, this message is not gonna surprise you this morning. But when we read verses 20 and 21, we're going to see that God already had the solution before we had the problem. He just has this uncanny ability to not just see, but to know what's going to happen in the lives of his children and then already have the solution in mind. Let's stand together and open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to finish this chapter this morning, five verses. Having purified your soul, I'm sorry, verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. 
so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Father, we come before you here together in person and many of us are scattered throughout the county and possibly throughout this nation. And I know we have some folks who are worshiping us in other countries this morning. Father, we thank you for this just opportunity to gather as the church here in Hardin. And Father, we're here and it's the first day of a brand new week. We praise you for that. Father, we thank you that you're already getting us ready for what you're getting ready for us. So that when it happens, yes, we're gonna be a little surprised, but at some point we're gonna realize, no, we're ready for that. Because that's what today's about as we just open up our hearts and our minds and worship you. And Father, that's what we truly tried to do this morning is worship you, not be distracted. But take the songs and not just sing them, but adore you with them. And Father, there was some amazing truth in those songs. And now... We're going to open up your word. It's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant. Not my thoughts, but your word. So Father, let me just teach your word. And you know my heart, I don't want to be a speaker only. I want to be a doer. And Father, I know there's not anyone here this morning who wants to be here only. We want to be doers too. So, Father, we're asking you now through your Holy Spirit to just convict us, encourage us, comfort us. Just take your word, grow us into the child that you want us to be, a child who exemplifies the life of our older brother, your son, Jesus. Thank you for this amazing responsibility you give us. Now we're asking for your anointing because only through your anointing can this be what it needs to be. In your precious son's name we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. I know you realize that last week in preaching the previous paragraph, Corey ran out of time. But things are gonna be completely different going forward here at Hardin because we discovered Wednesday night that Hardin Baptist Church has the appetite to come to church and for two and a half to three hours sit and listen to a sermon. And I've been thinking I only had 35 minutes, wow. If Corey had known that last week, he would have finished the paragraph, but he ran out of time, didn't get to finish the paragraph. So we're starting the message at the end of the previous paragraph. But our main message 
is not gonna be verses 20 and 21 this morning. It's gonna be verses 22 through 25. Remember what Peter is telling the elect exiles. As he's gonna try to encourage them to stand firm in a fallen world, he has reminded them that they have been ransomed from all of the feudal ways they inherited from their forefathers by the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish or spot. Can you imagine hearing that? For the first time, you're the recipient of this letter. And that word ransom reminds you that a price has been paid by someone else to set you free. And what Peter wants you to know you're free from is not eternal separation from God. That's not the passage. You're free from all of those feudal things you inherited from your forefathers that we kind of laugh about, we kind of joke about. It's just being a Cunningham. It's just being a Bogart. It's just... And yet a price has been paid to set us free. Now, before Peter moves on to some practical application, he wants us to remember this. That he in verse 20 is modifying Christ. Who ransomed us through his blood. He was foreknown. Before the foundation of the world. What's Peter doing here? Peter's wrapping up this section of thinking, reminding us of this. He wants to make sure you and I remember that our salvation, our ransom price that was paid wasn't thought about or planned because God was shocked about what we did in the garden. And therefore, after seeing that we blew it, He had to decide what to do to solve our problem, to get us out of the dilemma. Before there was ever a you, and before there was ever a me, before there was ever an Adam and Eve, even before there was a universe, he, Christ, was foreknown. This doesn't mean that God knew Jesus before the foundation of the world, that he knew previously God the Son. Of course he knew God the Son. The Godhead Son was God and had always been with God. So this word foreknown is being used in this sense. Before we did what we did in the garden and would need to be ransomed, God the Father had already made a choice of Jesus to be the Redeemer to solve the problem we created. Wow. 
So please don't think in the garden it shocked God. Please don't think there was ever a time in the garden when he wished he hadn't created us. He already knew and created us anyway because he had the solution to our problem already determined, predetermined. And that's the death of his son. Can I just say, wow. Do you hear this? Your father made a choice of Jesus because he knew the problem you and I were gonna get into. When did he make this choice? Before the foundation of the world. Now, Jesus wasn't manifested, Peter says, until these last times. So Peter believed when he looked at time, he was living in the last times, and now it had been manifested that the Christ was here. This is a reference to the birth, incarnation, life, death of Christ. I've said this many, many times, but I shall say it again. God went public with Jesus. Publicly, he lived the life we couldn't so that he could go to the cross and die the death we should have so that we can now do what he did and that's live an obedient life to God. He did this for your sake. Yeah, raise your hand. That's you. He did this for you. God did. Jesus did. And then here's what Peter's going to tell us. Through Jesus, we are now believers in God, which means If there was not Jesus, you and I would not believe in God. Why is our faith in God the Father? Because of Jesus the Son. Because what did God do? He raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. Wow. Jesus laid his life down on a cross His disciples buried him. Three days later, what did God do? God reached down and raised Jesus back alive. And when he raised him back alive, what that meant was everything that was being taught about Jesus and his death on the cross, it's all true. Through Jesus' death on the cross as a sacrificial, sacrificial atonement for our sins, you and I are now made right with God. On that cross, he wasn't lying when he said, it is paid, it is finished. Our sin debt is paid for. God raised him back alive. 
And when he raised him back alive, he gave him the glory as the risen Lord to take his seat at his right hand side. And when he sat down, it signified to us and to all the world that our sin debt is paid. Our salvation is finished. There is nothing more we can do for salvation. It's finished in Christ. So, that... Our faith and hope is in God. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in God because of Jesus, your faith and your hope is in God. Your faith and hope is not in yourself. Amen. Now you need to dig really deep this morning and ask yourself, is your faith and hope in God? Only. Is it in what he did for you on that cross in his son? Because the next three verses are gonna follow this amazing truth with an amazing command to act. And let's dive into it. I can't tell you how thankful I am for the privilege you give me to study God's word and then feed you on Sunday mornings. It's been a delight this week. But I wanna to be totally honest with you. This passage is gonna go in a direction I didn't know it was gonna go. Because when I come to this passage, I try to do what I'm supposed to do and that is not read anything into the passage. Just let the passage say what it was saying. But I noticed something. When we start reading verse 22, I want you to notice all the commas, I want you to know the semicolon, but I want you to notice where the period is. Now we see this with Paul a lot, but Peter, he's just a fisherman. We don't expect him to do this. He just goes on and on and on. So this is a long sentence. And here's what he says. Now, for those of us who are English speakers, we like short, simple sentences, amen? We like a lot of six or seven word sentences with a period. Not gonna happen with Peter this morning. Having purified your souls by your obedience to truth, For brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now I expect a period right here, but there's no period, there's a comma. So what that means is I can't stop here. I've just gotta draw a breath and continue on because he's continuing the thought since you have been born again. No period. Another comma. Not of imperishable seed, but perishable. Not of perishable seed, but imperishable. By the living and abiding word of God. Not even a period here. Now a semicolon. 
And he launches into the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40, and he quotes three verses, six, seven, and eight. And now we have a period, praise the Lord. And then he's got one more short, simple sentence. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, I want to tell you what I believe Peter's doing here. How many of you were with us when we studied through the Gospel of Mark a little while ago? Do y'all remember the Gospel of Mark? I love the Gospel of Mark. Action-paced, fast-paced. Do you remember that literary device Mark used from time to time when he would start a story, interrupt the story with another story, then finish the first story? Remember me telling you that's what we call in the literary world a Mark and Sandwich. It was a teaching technique. Now, if you remember this in the introduction, we shared with you that most scholars believe that Mark was influenced by Peter, and so the gospel of Mark could be called the gospel of Peter. Here, I think we see a sandwich, not a Markan sandwich, but a Petrine sandwich, a sandwich of truth. I wanna show you what Peter does. Peter doesn't take two stories here and interrupt one story with another story, but here's what he does. He takes two truths about identity. And in the middle of those two truths about identity, he puts in a verb, a command of action. And that command is based on what he says about identity before and what he says about identity after. And that's why he uses commas. So so this is going to appear on the screen. When Peter says, having purified your souls, just imagine a sandwich, and this is going to be the top bread, top piece of bread. Then he's going to give a command based on that. Love one another earnestly. That's the meat of this paragraph. So if you're gonna go home with something this morning, here's what you go home with. You go home with the meat. And the meat is we are supposed to love one another earnestly. And that love is supposed to come from a pure heart. But why are we loving one another earnestly? It's because we have purified our souls by obedience to the truth for brotherly love. Does that make sense? Now, if you're going to have a sandwich, you've got to have the bottom bread. Agreed? So notice the bottom piece of bread is the next statement. Since you have been born again. Now, here's what I thought. As I studied this week, I thought, okay, I'm supposed to love other people because I've purified my soul. And then Peter tells me, since you've been born again, See, I wanted to believe there's something else I'm supposed to do because I've been born again, but he doesn't tell us anything else to do after this because we've been born again because he's already told us what we're supposed to do because we've been born again. You know what we're supposed to do? Love one another. Wow. I could literally do this. I want But we could literally let love one another earnestly from a pure heart end the first statement and then start the second statement with the same sentence. Love one another earnestly 
from a pure heart since you have been born again. So I gotta ask you a question. Have you been born again? Have you purified your soul? If you've been born again, you've purified your soul. And if you've purified your soul, you've been born again. If you've not purified your soul, you've not been born again. And if you've not been born again, you've not purified your soul. I'll tell you what Peter's doing here. Peter's bringing in both sides of salvation. Y'all know me, I've been your pastor a long time. I get a little aggravated at those people in churches who swing to one side or the other side of salvation and they make it all about the human side or they make it all about the divine side. In this sandwich of truth, Peter combines the human side and the divine side because there's two sides of salvation, the human side and the divine side. But here's the truth. If you've purified your soul, if you've been born again, you know what the evidence of that is? It's not going to church. It's not reading your Bible. It's not giving money. It's not teaching a class. It's loving one another deeply from a pure heart. I love sandwiches. I've said this many, many times. If I can't have a filet mignon, I'd just rather have a good old hamburger. This is going to be a sandwich. But I pray it's a filet mignon to you. Having purified your souls. By obedience to the truth. Do you remember when you heard the gospel and you obeyed? Now, this is not a works-based salvation. Here's how you obey the gospel. You simply believe what God says is true. And what did God say is true? Here's what God says is true. He put Jesus on a cross in your place. And on that cross, Jesus faced your eternal separation from God, paid your sin debt, frees you from the penalty of sin, makes you in a right relationship with God. And you know what God demands of you? for you to repent of being a sinner and cling to that truth. And the moment you repent of sin and put your complete faith and trust in Christ, guess what you just did? You just purified yourself. Wow. You just freed yourself from all of that junk you inherited from mama and daddy. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Jesus paid to ransom me so that I don't have to be like granddaddy. I don't have to be like great, great. All of that junk that was in our family, it stops with me because I'm a believer in Jesus. Can you imagine somebody ransoming you and then you staying in the junk? We love those ransom movies where the person's held bondage, but when the ransom is paid, they're free. They don't stay in captivity. 
Why are you still in captivity? You're free. Price been paid for you. Now there was a purpose in him ransoming you for brotherly love. That's where we get that word Philadelphia from. City of brotherly love. God ransomed you so that you could be part of a family, a new family. Not a physical family, but a spiritual family. And you know what you have within you if you've purified your soul through faith in Jesus? You got a love for brothers and sisters in Christ. I know you guys know this. And you also know this, there is not a person in here and there's not a person in the whole universe who can ever say, I have ever said anything negative about my sister, Regina. She is an amazing lady. You know why I think she's an amazing lady? She's my sister. From the day we've been little, she's loved me. And from the time I accepted her into the family as my sister, I've loved her. There's just no doubt. You know why we love each other? Because we got the same parents. Bobby and June Cunningham. And we both got a combination of their DNA. But here's what there's no doubt about. We love each other. Well, the family of God's a big family. And we have God's DNA. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's what's amazing about me and my sister. Do you know we got saved on the same day? March 24th, 1974. Yeah. We both stepped out to accept Christ at the same time, but somehow she figured it out quicker than I did and she got saved before me. So even though I'm almost two years, not quite older than her physically, she's a few minutes older than me spiritually. Man, I'm looking at a big family this morning. Some of you are younger than me, some of you are older than me, some of you are close to my age. But do you know why we got redeemed from the yuck and the junk? Is so that we could sit down together and be family. Now, I want to be totally honest with you. Because of the family I was raised in, I struggle with those people who have physical families and they don't love each other. I just don't get it. Sorry. Don't get it. Can I tell you what I also don't get? I don't get how you treat your brother in Christ like you treat your brother in Christ. And you sisters, God help some of us. Physically, my sister and I don't talk about each other. How dare we talk about each other in the family of God the way we do. 
Now, the only reason we should be doing that stuff is because we're still in that yuck of the sin of the forefather. But I thought you got redeemed from that. I thought you understood when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we were being redeemed. Not just from the penalty of sin, we were being redeemed from the power of sin. So we're going to operate on a level as a family, the family of God, the family of Christ. Now, notice what Peter does. I love this. He didn't start with the divine salvation. He started with the human side of salvation. This is a choice you made. To be a part of the family of God. Now, I do believe this is where some of us got misled. Some of us got misled to believe the only reason we got saved is so that we could die and go to heaven and not go to hell. No. I mean, yes, if you're a believer, you're not going to hell and you're going to heaven when you die. But God's concerned about the life we're living right now. And Peter reminds us, we made a choice to be a part of something bigger than us. And that's a family. And family is built around love. A love that, yes, you give, but a love that you receive. So it's a reciprocal relationship. It's not a one-sided relationship. Are you experiencing that in the body of Christ? Now, because of this, here's the command. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. But look what Peter does. You see it in the English. It's a different word for love. See, that first word, brotherly love, is describing the Greek word phileo. The second word is agapao. So, so here's what he's saying. If you are part of the family of God by a choice you've made to purify your soul, here's my command to you. I want you to agapao one another in the family. I want your love to go from just a brother and sister type love to a God kind of love. And I want you to do it earnestly. The word agapao here, it's a spontaneous love. It arises within family members because we see a family member with a need. And once we see that need, you just can't help it. You just jump into action. You just love. You evaluate the need. See, this love is arising in you because of the need in the other. So once you've realized there's a need, you evaluate that need and you elevate that need to a place of priority. And then you look within yourself and see what you can do to meet that need. That's what God did. That's what we're supposed to do. Was it not Jesus who said, now this new commandment I'm giving you, that you love one another? As I have loved you, love one another. By this, the world will know you are my disciples. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of people in your world who do not really believe you're a disciple of Christ. sorry it's just fact 
Because they're not, they're not going by church attendance. They're not going by your Bible. You know what they're going by? The way you treat each other. The way you love. And, and I don't know where they get this, but they've got this thought that people who follow Christ ought to be like him. Imagine that. And they know he was manifested. And then there's a group of us who are following him. So here's what Peter says to the church. Evidently, they were struggling a lot. We were struggling. Here's what he says. Love one another and stretch it out. Yeah, that's what this word earnestly means. It means to stretch it out. I got to tell you all this stuff. I have two grandboys and they play on the middle school ball team at the school they go to. And occasionally I have went into the end of their practices and I've seen the beginning of their practice. I don't stay for the whole thing, but I don't know why on ball teams we always start by running and you always end by running. Have y'all noticed that? So the other day I was going at the end of uh, the practice and, and they were running And I heard the coach say to the kids who practiced about an hour, hour and a half, all of a sudden they're running and he yells, stretch it out! And whoo, immediately there was a change in those boys. Those boys had been running, but they'd been kind of running like this. And now, whoa, they were really stretching it out! Now I shouldn't tell this, but there's been a few times when I've been practicing, I've heard the coach pick out an individual player and say, dig deeper. We're playing basketball. How do you dig deeper? Well, y'all know what that means. What that means is that kid thought he was given everything he could give, but the coach knew he wasn't. So the coach is telling him, find another gear, find another level. You have a little more ability in you to do more than you're doing. Everybody agree? That's what Peter says here. Love one another deeper. You're getting lazy. And some of you are lazy. And you know it. You're just wanting to walk. You're just wanting to jog. But when it comes to love, and this is going to be the title of the message, we got to love a little deeper. We got to stretch it out. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, but brother, you just, yeah, no. Yeah, I do know. I don't know what they're doing, but I know what I did to him. Can I tell you what I did to him? I put him on a tree. And in case you've forgotten, you put him on the same tree I did. And he had legions of angels he could have called for, but he didn't. And you know what he did? of the need I had that I could not meet he put himself on that cross and put himself on that cross he wasn't just dying from nails and a spear he was dying from the payment of my sin 
and he bore it. That's what Peter says. We got to love each other deeply. It's got to be coming from a pure heart. He wants our brother to love to be sincere. See, that word sincere means without hypocrisy. (laughs) You know what hypocrisy means, right? Now, let's set the stage here. In the biblical world, if you were a hypocrite, that means you were an actor. That meant you played another part, but in that day, you just put a mask in front of you and you played the part of the mask. Then when your part was over, you ran off stage, grabbed another mask, came out, and when you came out, you played a completely different part. So it'd be like today in Hollywood, same person playing different parts. So when it comes to the family, take the mask off. Take the mask off. When we step it up to a God kind of love, can't have a divided heart. You can't have a heart that's loyal to you and loyal to God. You gotta have a heart that's loyal to God. And you love like he loves. Man, that's, that's enough said, amen? But he doesn't stop there. He now says, since you've been born again. So we love one another deeply from a pure heart because we've purified our souls by faith. And now we love one another deeply from a pure heart because we've been born again. But when we were born again, the seed wasn't perishable, it's imperishable. And the seed is the living and abiding word of God. And then he quotes this Old Testament scripture about how flesh, well, it's kind of like grass. Grass withers and dies. Grass puts on a flower if you let it get tall enough. That's happened in my house a few times. And then eventually what happens to that flower? It fades. Word of God never fades. Why? It's eternal. So catch this. Some of us know this to be true. When you were born of your mom and dad, the life they brought to you, it's going to be over one day. You're going to die. And can I just say this? In the midst of dying, the glory, it goes. It starts to fade. So here's what's happening. Because of Bobby and June Cunningham, I'm going to die, and I'm decaying in the process of dying. And you are too. You realize that, right? Can I just say to you young people, you don't get this, but one day everything old people tell you has happened to them, it's going to happen to you too. I heard that growing up. I'm Ricky Cunningham. No, that was not going to happen to me. Well, can I just say it's happening to me? Every bit of it. And can I just say it's accelerating a whole lot faster the last few months and years. 
But can I tell you about my spiritual life? Can I tell you about my dad? No death. No decay. With dad, he gave me eternal life. Now, eternal life doesn't just mean I'm never going to die, never going to tell you I'm going to live forever. Eternal life doesn't talk about when I die and go to heaven. Eternal life happens the moment I believe in Jesus. So here's what Peter's trying to remind us of. And let me remind us of this. When we were born again, we received a God kind of life. And because we received a God kind of life, we can love like God loves. Amen? Amen? Yes. I can be in that situation and instead of thinking about me, I can think about you. Instead of meeting my need at that moment, I can meet your need. I can love you in a redeeming way, not in an enabling way or an avoiding way. If you're part of the family. Amen. This word, the word of God, it's the good news that was preached to you. Here's how this works. Here's how the divine side and human side perfectly balance each other. Scripture says that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Paul asked the question, how can they call if they have not believed? And how can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless there be a preacher? And how can there be a preacher unless he's sent? And then Paul in Romans 10 reminds us that God's voice has went out, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. They've not all believed. And then he comes back to this point. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that converges on you and brings you to a place of faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And then at that moment of faith, you become born again as a child of God. And as a child of God, you are part of a family bigger than you. But as a family member who's fellowshipping with your father, you have the ability to love like he loved. So this week, you're going to get to laugh this out. Here's what I want you to listen to. I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you and see if he says to any of us, stretch it out. Stretch it out. Or about the time you get ready to say something you shouldn't say or repeat something you shouldn't repeat, he's going to say to you, dig a little deeper. And if you've purified your soul and you've been born again, 
you ought to be able to dig a little deeper. By this, the world will know we're his disciples. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this fisherman who you changed his life and then you led him to write this letter and it's just amazing help us love a little deeper this week because of who we are and it's in your son's name we pray amen you're listening to audio from hardin baptist church for more audio content or other information about our church please visit hardinbaptist.org